Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and our shortcomings and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I want to start out by saying first and foremost, Lord, asking you for permission to call you Father. For Lord, children do what their fathers have commanded them. And Lord, if I were to call you Father and not check my heart, and, and not have been obedient before you, Lord, then I'd be a blasphemer. And Lord, that's not something that I want to be. I don't want this ministry, Lord, to suffer. I don't want those who are of the body of Christ, Lord, to go astray. And I pray that your church becomes bigger, Lord. All in one purpose is to glorify you. Lord, take us out of the equation, Lord. Take self out. Take out the flesh. Take out the willingness to be heard. Take out the trying to show the world how intelligent I am. Take out all the things, Lord, that only that, that don't matter to you. And let's only focus on those things that matter. Will these messages glorify you and your church, Lord? For this is why we are in the ministry. This is why we are called to do your perfect work. And I'm just asking, Lord, that we continue to grow in your grace that you may add to it, that you may give us more, not for our glory once again, but for yours, almighty God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, Every spirit, Lord, that is Antichrist, every spirit, Lord, that is Jezebel, every spirit of Ahab, every spirit that is not of you, let it be cast down and thrown down. Lord, Lord, I pray for the brethren today, for those who couldn't make it today. I pray for them, Lord, that they continue to walk with you. I pray that they get stronger with you, Lord, and not get thrown into deception. I pray, Lord, that we not cease from doing your will, that we not get tired of well-doing. For, Lord, you said that those that are of you will reap their rewards in due season. But, Lord, we're not in this for us. We are in this to glorify you, that Jesus Christ may be formed in every single believer, that they may understand what the true church of God is. Let us guide our words. Let us not talk foolishly. Let us not speak carelessly. For every idle word will be brought into judgment, Lord, for everything that we say. So let us be quick to hear. Let us be slow to speak. Let us wait on your guidance, Lord, and your counsel, and to have the fear of the Lord in our lives that we may understand who you are and do what you have called us to do. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray that, we, that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Alright, so tonight's study is going to be on again part two of the book of Acts. This uh, segment or this uh, part will be called the persecution. Now we went through the church of God considering the ecclesia about what the church was about, how it was led by the Holy Ghost, how they had gone and done all these things as lively stones, as uh, obeying the commandments of Jesus Christ and what they should do. So we went through parts one through seven in that one. And speaking of the ecclesia, meaning called out ones, those that are separated unto God and to his will. Now, along with doing the things of the Lord, now we know in the book of Acts, uh, the martyr Stephen was persecuted and killed. And at this point, the church suffers great persecution. But before we pick it up in Acts 8, what we're going to do is go into a few scriptures concerning Jesus, and then we're going to move on. But again, this is a book of Acts part two, the persecution. A minister, Derek Hallett of Sound of Trumpet Ministries, soundoftrumpetministries.com is our website. So from here, let's go to Matthew. No matter of fact, let's start with the Psalm. Let's start with Psalm 7. Psalm chapter 7. Psalm chapter 7, we'll begin in verse 1, and it says, O my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, uh, rending it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, I have, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. So, David here, well, actually, this isn't, yeah, this is um, Sigion of David. Um, this is, I guess, um, what he was talking about, the words of Cush, uh, the Benjamite. David here is saying that he wants to be searched out, but he's saying that he puts his trust in the Lord, even to them that persecute him. So we get the sense that David understood a lot even before his time. I mean, he's clearly speaking of the future, but he's also speaking of his own trials and tribulation. So here he says, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, <laughs> lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake from me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about, for their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. So David is asking that for his persecution to take place and these things to go on. Let them only be to glorify the Lord and the congregation. For those who may see his glory, for those who may see God deliver him, for those of us that may see the vengeance of God while he protects his people, this is what we need to be focused on. We cannot be centered in self. We have to be centered in our God. Okay, verse 7 or verse 8. The Lord shall judge the people, uh, judge, 
the Lord shall judge the people, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is in me. And that's why, you know, we don't think integrity and uh, paying debts and things like that are important with the Lord. Well, they are. You know, your integrity is important. It's your word. But it also, if you call yourself a child of God, how you represent him determines if you will do those things which you said that you will do. Okay, so that's a big part of your integrity. And people don't recognize that. They think that they can be Christian in church and then fool around with the world and with people. If you tell someone that you are going to do something, then you need to stand by it if you're a child of God or if it's backed by the Lord. Okay, don't just say something for the sake of sounding good and then not do it because you're a liar. So David is asking for his integrity to be searched, that he be that which he says he is and not a hypocrite. So it says in verse um, uh, 9, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God uh, trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. So you even see, even in righteousness, or those that God considers righteous, he judges them also according to their will to keep them on track. But God is angry with the wicked every day. So that means, you know, this, this talks about how awesome God is and his love towards us. Though he loves us and we're in our wickedness, he is still giving us a chance to turn to him. So, you know, the fact that we're still alive today, the fact that we are still able to ask for forgiveness tells you about God and his love and his mercy because he's angry with sin every day. And see, everyone always asks the worldly people, how can your God do this and how can he be about that? The bottom line is he has given you a life full of wickedness to turn to him, although it angers him, and he can do something about it if he chose. But this is the love and the mercy of God that he has given people a chance to repent. Verse 12, if he, not, if he turn not, he will wet his sword. He have bent his bow and made it ready. He have also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth uh, his arrows against the persecutors. So for those who won't turn from the Lord, from their wickedness, he's making it clear that the Lord has bent his bow and he's got his sword ready. And that's why the Bible says, and I believe Hebrews 12, it is a, is a, um, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think that might be Hebrews 4 or Hebrews 12, one of them. But either way, we don't need to be on the wrong side of the Lord. We need to make things right with him. And this is also David speaking of here that the Lord will avenge his people. And that's why he says in verse 13, he hath also prepared for him the instruments of death he ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. So we don't have to fight against people when they wrong us. But we pray for them because that shows the love of the Lord. But he will avenge his people. Verse 14. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and hath brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and, and is fallen into the ditch which he made. So for those who persecute you, 
They already caught up in their falsehood. They've already dug their own graves is what David is saying, other than the turn to righteousness. Verse 16, his mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So David here, we can learn a lot from him on how to approach the Lord because David was known as a man after God's own heart. But what we need to recognize is, is this is how we should approach the Lord. So from here, let's go to Matthew 10 because he's talking about these persecutors and how the Lord will deal with them. Our, our minds is not shouldn't be focused on those who persecute us. They should be focused on doing the will of the Lord because the Lord will take care of his own. So we're going to uh, Matthew 10. We'll start at verse 1. But I just want to read this because this is going to be key for tonight's study. You're going to find the disciples are going to follow in the ways that the Lord has told them to go. All right, so... And when he, this will start at verse one. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So Jesus gave his disciples authority, okay, to deal with these things. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these, the first Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who um, also betrayed him. These twelve uh, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and, in, and into any city of the Sumerians, enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus had always wanted Israel to be the focal point of preaching the gospel, okay? Because Jesus himself was a Jew and is known as the son of David. His instruction was to preach to his people and his people would eventually go out and preach the gospel. But the, the main goal was so that people wouldn't boast against the branches. If Jesus Christ is the tree, the stem of life, than the, than the uh, Israel or his branches. And that's why, you know, you can pretty much say the church are the leaves or the fruit that grows off of this tree. Okay, so, but we're not supposed to boast against the branches. People think Israel is done away with and they're not. Israel, uh, they are still God's people and he is going to deal with them in due season. So it says, and as ye go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So right away, all minds are focused on the kingdom of heaven and not on the earth. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have, freely um, ye uh, you freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staffs, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So the Lord is telling them, if you guys go, don't you bring any money, don't you bring any supplies, I'm going to take care of you. As you work, I will take care of your needs, not by carnal means, but by the giving of God. Then it says in verse 11, and enter whatsoever city or, to, I mean, or town uh, ye shall enter, 
uh, inquire who is who it is is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come to an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of this city, or the house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for the testimony against them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you up, take no thought, uh, how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you uh, in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Okay, so I'm just making this point here that the Lord is saying that, you know, he gave them instruction on what he would desire of them. And he talked about, you know, children being delivered up to their parents, parents delivering children, men being hated. But we'll look at verse 23. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another, for verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master or the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, uh, how shall how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not. Therefore, uh, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. But I tell you, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the, in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body. So we understand that the Lord gave them instructions on how to deal with persecution, what they should do, what their assignment is to go out and to heal the, um, you know, all those people and deal with situations. So their ministry had to be of power. Their ministry had to be of faith. Their ministry had to be of obedience. And they had to be governed also by the fear of the Lord, okay? Because persecution is one of those things that can make a person turn back. Fear of persecution can make you disobey the Lord. But that's why you need to stay focused on him and do what he calls. So from here, I want to go to Luke 4 real quick, and we'll just go to verse 18. I just want to read that, and we'll go right into the study. But you're going to see the very reason Jesus came is the same things that the apostles had done. And this is the only way that we can do things if we follow the Lord. All right, so he says, this is um, Luke 4, after Jesus was tempted, he went into the synagogue, and he came to preach why he was here. So this is Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the same reason that Jesus came has got to be the same reason that his apostles and his church are anointed to do these things. This is, you could care less about persecution. Are you doing these things for the Lord? And this is what the Lord puts his spirit on us, that his will might be done. So if this is why he came, this is why we need to come to glorify God. All right, so from here we can get started in Acts chapter 8. We'll start at verse 1. But I just wanted to lay the floor for what we're going to read in our second part series. All right, this is Acts 8 and 1, and it says, And Saul, who later became Paul, was, con um, was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, while, uh, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So you understand, when all these people were scattered to go and preach the Gospels, the apostles remained at Jerusalem. Okay, so even though great persecution was going on at this time, um, they stayed put and did what had to be done. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. So Paul was consenting to the death of Stephen. Paul was well pleased at what he had done to Stephen. Okay, verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen uh, to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. So we understand that Saul at this time was a persecuting of Christians, and it says great persecution against the church. So, I mean, Paul was going into every house, wherever he found that there was a believer, hey, I'm coming to grab them and haul them off. So this is what kind of individual Saul was. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So they were only scattered abroad to continue preaching the word. They were not running for their lives. They were running for places to do the will of the Lord, that the word may spread. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So you see, Philip comes in truth, Philip comes preaching the gospel, but the miracles are what sign off on, he is approved of God. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame and healed. So this is reminiscent of what Jesus was commanding or empowering his disciples to do. As you will see today, it is no difference. For those who walk with Jesus and have Jesus formed in them, they can do the exact same things. And there was great joy in that city, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the, in the same uh, city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Now, I want to look up something real quick because... I think people misunderstand what the word bewitched means. Okay, so we're going to go here to Strong's Concordance. We're going to look up what um, bewitched means, and you'll find it interesting. 
All right, for the word bewitched, the word is existemi, and it says to throw out of position, displace, to amaze, to astonish, throw into wonderment, to be amazed, astounded, to be out of one's mind, besides oneself insane. And then this is Strong's definition, and this this is the word, um, the number G1839, to put stand out of wits, that is astound or reflexively uh, become astounded, insane, amazed, be make astonished, uh, be beside self, selves, bewitch and wonder. Okay, so the reason why this is important is because we're out there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have entered into we have entered into an age where people are saying, "You cannot judge. No one can tell me what is wrong. No one should tell me what I should do." And this is why you got false prophets in today's church everywhere. Well, if you are a man or woman of God, you are going to be sent into these situations where you may have to address a false prophet or a sorcerer, someone who is bewitching the people and preaching false gospel. This is one of the requirements why Philip came. While Philip was helping to deliver people from that which was wrong, he also had to confront a sorcerer that had the whole town afraid of him. So this guy had the bewitching power to have people in amazement, to have people beside themselves, to have people in awe of him, and to be misplaced. So, you know, it's no wonder why you got people in churches today preaching gospel that is not the gospel, and you've got 5,000 people there sitting there in awe of this false gospel. People are being bewitched today from what's going on. So it took Philip himself to confront this guy. So we're going to see what's going on here. All right, so and bewitch the people of Samaria. Of, of Samaria. And then it says, giving out that himself was some great one. So this is always the mark of a false uh, prophet or a false uh, pastor or, or anyone. They will always glorify self. He says to see of himself as some great one. When Peter and John laid hands on uh, the man called Beautiful, the man that was withered, the funny thing was they said, you know, look at me to be dealt with. But afterwards they said, why do you people look to us in amazement? It's Jesus Christ, this same Jesus that you persecuted. So a real prophet of God is always going to turn people back to Jesus, okay, and not unto themselves. Mm -hmm. So he's, you know... He had the whole town afraid as if he was some great one of God, to whom they all gave heed. So they obeyed him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. Why? Because he had not been confronted. Verse 11. And to him they had regard, they had regard because, that, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So let's understand this. This guy, Simon the sorcerer, had the whole town afraid and bewitched. Philip comes into town, preaches the gospel, performs the true miracles of God, 
And even Simon says, let me get baptized because the power of God had dwarfed whatever a, a power had these people afraid of uh, Simon. All right, so it says in Simon uh, verse 14, that when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Okay, so recognize that Philip was an evangelist. Philip went out preaching, baptizing people, doing what he did. When it came time for the Spirit to be imparted, you know, um, uh, Peter and John heard of it, and they were sent to go and lay hands on the people. So you see, the church has different assignments. Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists, they're all a part of the hand of Christ that do the will of God. This is not a one-man show. Mm -hmm. All right, so then it says in verse 16, For as yet he was fallen upon them, I mean upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So if you're baptized under any other name, that is not true baptism. True baptism is of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's the only one that washes sins away. 17. Uh, then laid they their hands on, on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands and the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So let's get one thing straight about this guy, Simon. Now later on, like earlier on, it said that Simon had considered himself a great one, and the whole town was bewitched. So Simon saw the power of Philip, or the power that God bestowed upon Philip, and what Peter and John did, and now he wants to be baptized. So when he's baptized, and he sees what John and Peter gives the people of God, he says, well, let me offer you money so that I may also have this power, and that way whomever I lay hands on, they may be set free. So again, you got this Simon. He was Simon the sorcerer. Now he's Simon the false prophet. You see, he is a baptized false prophet that still feels that he can be some great one using the doctrine of Jesus Christ or trying to use the spirit that he may be considered great other than to glorify Jesus. So you see, he never changed even with his baptism. So this is what, uh, let's see how this gets handled. Peter said in verse 20, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So Peter made it clear you will perish with your money, thinking that you can pimp Jesus or that you can milk God to have his ability. And this is what we got to understand. When the, when the Lord distributes gifts unto men or unto believers, and he tells us that we shall speak with new tongues, it's an awesome thing to speak in tongues, but don't get carried away falling in love with the gift. It is only meant to glorify the Lord and to preach the gospel and to commune with the Lord. The laying on of hands, we've got to be careful with this because when you decide to desire the gifts 
aside from a relationship with God, it can turn your heart. And then your heart can be in a place in bad standing with God, trying to be glorified of men instead of glorifying Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be careful with this. All right, so verse uh, 22. Repent therefore of this, thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven of thee. So Peter gave him commandment. Repent therefore of this, thy wickedness. So repent of your wickedness and pray to God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart, your heart, may be forgiven of thee. So, you know, this is a work that Simon needed to do for Simon. Simon needed to seek the Lord to be cleansed, to be made right, that he might be forgiven. Verse 23, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So Peter picked this up. The Spirit let Peter know this. Man, only a sinner would come and ask the Lord for money or, 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 or try and buy the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Man, that stuff doesn't come in here. Anything you want that is worldly, you ask the Lord for. The Lord has got no part in that. Mm -hmm. The Lord will give us the desires of our hearts, but we are not to be a part of those things of the world. God has no bearing in what the Gentiles would do. God's people are holy. All right, verse 24. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which uh, ye have spoken come upon me. So, you know, I wondered if Simon ever got saved. Because Simon, again, threw the responsibility back on Peter. So he wasn't desperate enough. He went through the whole baptism. And he believed that Jesus Christ was supposedly the way, but his heart was not turned. He first tried to be a great one in the world. He tried to be a great one in God's church, which is blasphemy. Mm -hmm. And then when, when, then when he gets reproved and rebuked and corrected on what he should do, that he should be forgiven and go forward with God. He didn't even have the strength to do that. He asked Peter, pray for me that these things not come upon me. I don't think he was saved. Yeah. Verse 20, because it never said Peter agreed. Right. So verse 25, and it says, and they, and they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So you see, a real apostle, man, a person of God. Hey, man, I got things to do. If the Lord tells me to pray for you, then I will. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm here to get a job done, and I'm going back to Jerusalem where I'm supposed to be. Verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is a desert, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, a queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had, and had come to uh, Jerusalem for to worship. Okay, so, you know, Philip was instructed to go and find this eunuch and to go and talk to him. Okay, so you notice that the eunuch didn't come unto Philip, Philip came to the eunuch. Why? He was instructed of the Lord. Hey, here's someone trying to worship and inquire, but they need a little help here, Philip, so you need to go and work with them. All right, so it says, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit 
thou said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to, his, to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him uh, read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandeth thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Um, the place of the scripture which he had read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. That's where it says where he is cut out of the land of the living. This is speaking of Isaiah 53. Okay, so go to Isaiah 53 in your spare time. I just want to make this clear that this is what the eunuch was reading. Philip, having an understanding of this, was trying to teach him. Verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh of the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. So the eunuch didn't understand, like, who are they speaking about here? Are they speaking of you? Or maybe one of the prophets of old? Or some other guy? So then it says, um, If Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So right away for baptism, the eunuch asked, What must I do to be baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart that you mayest. So this isn't a halfway in thing. This is, When a person decides to be baptized, you don't walk in saying, I want to do this because it sounds like a good idea, but my heart is halfway in the world. That's not the way it works. You have to recognize at that point, Jesus is the way. This is where I want to go. I want to turn from my sin. And that's what it means to believe with all your heart. Then you can be baptized. And if you believe, you see the eunuch said that I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so that is where it is all based. Because if you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that separates him even today from every prophet, every false prophet, every false religion. This is the Son of God making him God himself and showing us, everyone, the way back to salvation. So then it says, And Philip said, oh, we'll go to verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So the eunuch did get saved because one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So the eunuch went on rejoicing, and he got saved, and he was happy. And the Spirit let Philip know, hey man, time is up. That's why I sent you that this man may get saved. Then Philip gets caught up by the Spirit, taken away. So, I mean, he almost like Superman. The Spirit just took him and flew him, carried him down the street, actually into another city. And then it says, 
Okay, so the, the eunuch went on rejoicing, verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, and uh, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Okay, so that tells you that he went a ways. See, and when you're doing active work for the Lord, I believe everything this book says. People are talking about how do I travel? How do I get here? How do I get there? Man, get full of the Spirit and believe God and watch what happens. He was caught up by the Spirit into another place to continue preaching. So when you are that into the Spirit doing the will of the Lord, the Lord can actually carry you faster to do more of His will. Why? Because you're not a slacker. You're someone that is obedient to the Spirit that you may do the will of the Lord. So if no one has anything to add or to ask or to, you know, everyone understands, we'll go to Acts 9 and we'll start at verse 1. Drink of water here. All right, Acts 9 and 1, and it says, And Saul, uh, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of uh, this way, uh, whether they were men or women, uh, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So Saul was working day and night. He was working hard to persecute Christians. He even went and had letters from the synagogues. Hey, Paul, if you find anybody, you know, this is what you need to do. And then Paul's out there threatening and, you know, everything else, trying to scare people, you know. So Paul was a child of hell, okay? He was a child of religion, a child of the devil, out there working hard to persecute God's church. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying unto him, this is in red letter, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou uh, have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So Jesus didn't even have to be there in physical form. Jesus didn't even have to threaten Paul or Saul. All he had to do was show up in his glory. And Saul knew immediately that he was dealing with the one true God. So that's why I can't tell people, how can you be in the presence of God and not be changed one bit? No, I have an experience where this guy turned from a murderer a persecutor of Christians and false religion and got into and got into the presence of the one true God and knew immediately, Lord, what is it that you would want me to do? So through that authority, through that power that Saul stepped into, man, changed his whole life. So if we walk around full of Jesus Christ, man, you know, the Lord can do some marvelous things. So the Lord gave him instructions. He wanted him to arise and go into the city. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. 
but they led him by the hand and brought him to into Damascus. And uh, he was and he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish, for behold, he prayeth, and, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So we got to understand something about the church of God here because now Ananias was a disciple in Damascus, not even in Jerusalem. Ananias was none of the 12 original disciples that the Lord had chose. But Ananias walked, he heard from God and believed God. He didn't say, you know, Ananias, yeah, you need to go get my disciples because this is a very serious matter. Mm -hmm. You need to go and get Peter, you need to get John, or you need to get even Philip, somebody who understands this because, you know, you're all right, but I need to talk to my top board of people that needs to get this done. He called out to Ananias who heard the voice of the Lord. So Ananias, having a relationship with the Lord, full of the spirit, obeyed the Lord. And the Lord trusted Ananias to go and put hands on Saul that he may receive his sight. So you see, the church is a bunch of lively stones, people that believe, that are full of the spirit, that can do the work themselves, instructed of God and his spirit. Verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints and Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings and the children of Israel. For I will shew him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So the Lord pretty much told Ananias, all right, I know about his reputation, enough. He was chosen of me. I'm calling him to do work to glorify me for my name's sake. So why any true church will go out there is not to prove their worth to anyone, is not to appear strong, is not to appear knowing, is not to appear self-righteous. It is only for one purpose, that for the Lord's name's sake, to glorify God is why we do anything. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me uh, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And, um, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been uh, scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So I want to make a quick point here concerning this. Ananias called Paul brother. All right, he called Saul brother outright. He didn't say, hey, I'm not too sure about you, but I believe the Lord is trying to work with you. All the Lord did was confirm to Ananias, he's a chosen vessel of me. Ananias went to him, brother Saul. 
I'm here on behalf of the Lord that you might receive your sight. And immediately scales fell. So the point here is Saul's eyes were closed for three days. And I believe that this was physical and it was spiritual. Physically, he went blind because the Lord was giving him a new set of eyes, both physical and spiritual. Now, I want to make one quick point. Hold where you are. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I just want to make this point real quick. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. And it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus of the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Okay, so I just wanted to bring up that point real quick. It said it was like scales that fell from his eyes. I believe they could have been physical, but I also believe that they were spiritual. So these scales fell from his eyes that he might see. Why? Because the glorious light which Jesus Christ had shined unto Paul in a visitation that Paul may see. And Paul, we all know, whose name was Saul, was never the same from that moment on. All right, so he says, um, and scales fell from his eyes, and uh, he was baptized. In verse 19, And when he had received meat, was strengthened, uh, then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Uh, but all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name at Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound into the chief priest? So these people are wondering, man, you bring a murderer up in here? And he's in here talking about, you know, um, Jesus is the Son of God. So you see how much faith it takes or how much weight is on the Son of God. How much weight it really is. How important it is that people know. And this is why you got all false religions. He was a good man. He was a prophet. But they never get on. He was a son of God. So this is where Paul preached. This is what Philip baptized. And this is what we stand on today. That he came directly from the Father. The Son of God to preach the gospel. So, you know, Saul's out there doing his work. And everybody's terrified because they heard what he had done in his past. And this is why we should never be distressed or never judge anybody calling them a tear or calling them whatever because you don't know who the Lord will use. I don't care if it's a corrupt member of the government. I don't care if it was a witch that killed a hundred people with his or her spells. If the Lord sends you, these people need the gospel just like anybody else that they may believe and do what the Lord has called them to do. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell at Damascus, proving that this was very Christ. So Saul was growing because everyone thought he was a phony. He was growing in strength and going against those who didn't believe, but he was preaching Christ that everyone would be convinced. Verse 23, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him, but their laying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So he was once on their side. 
Now, this is what I'm trying to show people, the heart of God versus the heart of the world, or religion for that matter. Mm -hmm. Now, Saul, when he was persecuting Christians and, and killing them left and right and leading them into prison, nothing was being done to Saul. Saul was allowed to roam free, knowing that God is angry with sin every day. Now, the Lord could have sought vengeance on Saul and smote him and struck him dead on the spot. But the, even the church didn't rebel against Saul like, you know what, we need to go somewhere and give this guy a beating. Leave him somewhere and bind him with our own physical means. They kept on doing the will of the Lord and they kept going forward no matter what Saul was doing. Okay, now, now that Saul has been converted by Jesus, the Lord is now using him. Now, the very people that he was with, they didn't say, man, Saul is preaching goodness now and He's no longer murdering and he's doing what's right. Now they seek to kill him. And this is what happens when the Lord decides to use us and take us out of the world. You best believe that you are on Satan's hit list. You best believe that he's going to turn on you with a passion. So persecution is important because anytime, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, persecution is going to find you. If you're not even someone in the fight, then persecution will avoid you because you're still siding with the world. But you see how Paul made a complete 180 to turn and serve the Lord. And right away, the Jews said, oh, yeah, he's one of those Christians. It's time to deal with him. Okay. So they sought to kill him, waiting day and night. I mean, that's some kind of hate for you. Verse 25. Then the disciples took him by night. And um and let him down by the wall in the basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the um disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Mm -hmm. So you get the sense why when Paul was turned and he wrote all those epistles, that he did all this mighty work because he was ever having to prove himself and go beyond who he was already, you know. So he pushed that much harder to prove that he was right. But, you know, they had to let him down in the basket. Now, the same disciples, again, into the heart of Jesus Christ. The same disciples. He probably killed some of these people's family members and good friends, believers in the church. These same people are lowering him down in a basket that he may escape the people that he once worked for. That is the heart of God. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So you see, the Lord is backing Paul up because of what Paul has been doing. 28. And he was with him uh, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. So now Paul is ministering to Gentiles. All right, now the Jews want to kill him, but the Gentiles, he's preaching to them and they seek to slay him. So you see, the real gospel of Jesus Christ is going to offend. The real gospel is going to do two things as we have read in Acts 7 and as we read in Acts 2. It is going to prick you in your heart. Now, those who are pricked that want the Lord will turn to Jesus Christ and do that which is righteous, or you're going to be pricked in your heart with anger to desire to kill. Mm 
And now these are the loving words of Jesus. This is the gospel. But you see the reaction that it's going to give. So don't let anybody tell you that the gospel is just a feel-good message and you know when you're hearing the gospel because they're going to preach love and they're going to make you feel great. That is a lie from the pits of hell. When you receive the true gospel, you have the right, you have the chance to accept the good news that Jesus Christ, that he can be your Lord and Savior and you can inherit eternal life and not die in your sins or you can decide to want to fight against your deliverer who can only deliver you, who is Jesus Christ. But it'll never be, never be to the point of, oh man, I'm so glad you preached to me. I feel so good. No, nah, man, not when you're preaching the real gospel. Because it's going to confront the demons and the sin in a demon-possessed society. Verse 30, which when the brethren knew... They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. So they said, oh man, now the Grecians want to kill Paul. Let's send him to Caesarea and, you know, and bring him forth to Tarsus. Like, Paul, come on, go. Keep on going. So they're protecting Paul at this time because they realized Paul made a lot of enemies when they were once his friends. Yeah. Then had the churches rest throughout uh, all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So right away, this goes back to what Jesus said. These people were walking in the, the church, was edifying and walking in the fear of the Lord. That is something the church today has gotten away from. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus said, man, don't worry about those persecutors who can kill the body. You better fear him who can kill the body and place a soul in hell. So they were going according to the guidance of the Lord, and the Holy Ghost was comforting them, and they were multiplying. And it came to pass, as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia, or Lydda, and uh, there was found a certain man named Aeneas, uh, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy, and Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. This is so reminiscent of what Jesus did in John 5 with the man who was on his bed, remember, suffering from the infirmity. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like Jesus, like he said, it is enough that you be like me. Okay? But you have to be like Christ. He said the servant is not above his Lord. And they all understood this. Verse 35. And all that dwelt in Lydda and Sarah, and Sharon, which is like Sharon, um, saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber, and for as much as Lida, as much as Lida <laughs> was nigh to Joppa, like near to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not uh, delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. Uh, when he had come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widow, all the widows stood by him weeping and shewing the coats and garments which Dorcas made. 
while she was uh, with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning, uh, turning him to the body said, Tabitha arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. So Peter recognized here, just like Jesus Christ, that there was unbelief in the midst. They called to Peter. They sought for Peter to help. But yet they were still crying when he got there and still destroyed. Now, if you believe that Peter is a man of God and you believe that God can do all things, that crying should have ceased and they should have said, Lord, do what needs to be done. But instead, they were still crying. So Peter said, with all this unbelief in here, I'm putting you out. And Jesus did the same thing when I think he healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law or whomever. Remember, he kept the disciples. He put the other people out. And he said, you know, we can't have unbelief in the midst. And his miracles were shown. Mm -hmm. All right. So it says, um, she sat up, verse 41. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. So it makes clear here that two miracles were done. You know, one was done with um, Dorcas, and the other one was done with Peter helping the man that was sick with palsy. Both had people in Joppa and Lydda in this town turn towards the Lord. Okay, so once again, the only reason why the church would do anything is to glorify God. It's not for church membership. It's not for tithes and offerings. It's only to glorify the Lord. So if no one has anything to add, we're going to go to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 1. Get a drink of water here and continue. Acts 10 and 1. Acts 10 and 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his people, which gave uh, much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So this guy who was a part of the Italian band, which is like the Roman Empire, you know, a Roman centurion, because I believe that's who it was, the same Cornelius, Remember when he asked the Lord to heal his disciple, and he said, you don't have to come with me. If you speak it, this will be done. I can't remember what scripture that is exactly, but the Lord said, never have I heard so much faith as, as this. You know, he hadn't even found that faith in Jerusalem, that it came from a Gentile that such faith was given. So right away, I believe that this is Cornelius the centurion, the same guy. Uh, verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thy arms are come uh, up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. Uh, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So right away, Cornelius, even being a believer, the Lord directed him unto one of his apostles that a work may be done in him, that, you know, in some ways Cornelius may be 
uh, perfected. Verse 7. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that, that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa on the morrow as they went on their um, journey and drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up upon the housetop uh, to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they uh, made ready, he fell into a trance. So in other words, like the Lord had him not spellbound, but the Lord was dealing with Peter in the spirit at this point while he was praying. This is why you find that many times when you pray through or you pray in the spirit, you can really lose track of time that you almost don't know if it's night or day. Mm -hmm. Verse 11. And saw heaven open, so the veil was pulled back for Peter, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of foot of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything uh, that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, uh, that call not thou common. Uh, so Peter here was believing that in this vision, he saw four-footed beasts and unclean things and fowls of the air and all this stuff. And the Lord said, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I eat no unclean food. Like he thought the Lord was directing him unto unclean beasts. We later learned that these unclean beasts or this vision that Peter was seeing was the Lord telling them to arise and preach unto the Gentiles that they may also receive salvation. Now remember, the children of Israel were considered God's people. They were considered a holy people called unto him. And then you had the rest of the world who were Gentiles and considered the heathen which were considered unclean. Okay, so so it says, um, verse 16, This was done three times, and the vessel was received up again unto heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen uh, should mean, behold, the men uh, which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate, and called and asked whether Simon, which is Simon Peter, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men, which were sent unto him uh, from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause thereof, I mean, whereof uh, ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Uh, then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away with them. The certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. 
And the morrow um, after uh, they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. So even though Peter was a chosen of the Lord, Cornelius, even though he feared the Lord, not really being as understanding of the principles of God, he kneeled down to Peter like to honor him because this is what Gentiles do. You see, even in Far East religions, a lot of people will do the kowtow before men thinking that that's something awesome when really that is not what any man should do. No man should bow before another man. And I don't care what your religion is. They are all men just like you. Okay? And some people would say, why did Jesus receive worship? He received worship because Jesus was God in flesh. That makes all the more different. Verse 27 and as he walked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath shewn me uh, that which I should not call any man common or unclean. So Peter is making it known, hey, I'm only doing this because this is what the Lord has called me to do. The Lord has a purpose. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore, uh, for what intent ye have sent for me? Okay, so, you know, gainsaying again is Peter didn't want to misjudge them or speak against them if it was an act of the Lord. Gainsayers are people that speak against the word of God or of the faith of the, of the true God. Verse 30, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thy arms are, are head in remembrance of the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call thither and call hither Simon, whose surname was Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner, by the seaside, uh, who, uh, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. So okay, he was letting him know that this is what would uh, be done. Now of course, this man in bright shining clothing, I believe it was an angel of the Lord, which was just directing them and instructing them that they should meet. Verse 33. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done, uh, that thou art come. Now therefore are we all uh, here present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So those who fear the one true God, Peter is saying, I'm no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. So I'm going to do what the Lord has asked. Verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, 
which uh, was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, uh, who went about uh, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, uh, for God was with him. And we are, we are witnesses uh, of all these I mean, of all things which he did both in the land and of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised the third day and shewed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before the God, even to us, whom did eat and drink uh, with him after he rose from the dead. So again, Peter is letting them know, okay, you guys are coming here to hear a word. I'm letting you know this all stems back to Jesus, who was died, who was killed for our transgressions and was resurrected, hanged on a tree, buried and resurrected on the third day. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God and to be the judge of quick and dead. So he was to be, the Lord raised him to be the judge of those who are believers, who are full of the Spirit, and those who are not. That's what quick and dead means. Uh, to him give all the prophets witness, and through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them all, which heard the word. So this is telling you here that this was all done for the purpose of edifying Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and the Holy Ghost immediately went to work. Verse 45, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, and many as came with Peter, because that of the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then pray they him and tarry certain days. So Peter was approved of the Lord. Peter was instructed of the Lord. Peter did what the Lord had told him to do. And then you see the magnificent work of the Lord working on Gentiles. And this is why I'm telling people, for those who are racist, no racist is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, and no racist is the child of God. I don't care what doctrine you're preaching. I don't care if you found out who the true Jews are. I don't care if you found out what race they are. The bottom line is that there is no man that can enter into the kingdom of heaven a racist. We're going to learn in Acts 17 when we get there what the true meaning of what God was doing to his church. So if no one has anything to add, we can go to Acts 11, and we can start at verse 1. So this is Peter now preaching unto the Gentiles. And all this being done while persecution is in the midst. God's work did not stop. Acts 11, verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, 
saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by, under, by, by order uh, unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend, as it had been uh, a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which, uh, when I fasted my eyes, I considered and saw a four-footed beast of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things, the fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I uh, said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. Uh, verse 9, But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And uh, this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, uh, sent from Caesarea uh, unto me. And the Spirit bade me go uh, with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. So Peter is given a description of what happened at this time. Honestly, Peter shouldn't have had to prove a thing to these people. But as you can see, some of the circumcision or of the household of faith were racist. And this is why, you know, things got to be understood that what God does, he doesn't need to explain to any man. But Peter is taking the time to explain to them that the spirit is not just for those of Jerusalem or those of the circumcision, but also those of the uncircumcision. Verse 13, And he shewed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send me to Joppa and call for, Pete, call for Simon, whose surname was Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them and, and on us, I mean, as on us at the beginning. So Peter is bringing their minds back to Acts 2. Hey, guys, how it happened to us is how it happened to them. They received the Holy Ghost, too, and I witnessed it. But also, this guy Cornelius wanted his whole household saved. He wanted people saved. So this is why he went to a man of God to learn of, you know, how to receive the spirit that they might endure. Verse 16, then remembered I the word of the Lord how that he said, John, indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And this is why I'm encouraging people again for the second part of this teaching. I understand being baptized and you receive the Spirit when you believe Jesus Christ, but you've got to press in for that baptism, which is private. Okay, the baptism of the water is only one part of it. It is only to bring you you know, unto repentance, that you may turn away from sin. The second baptism that we all need comes from Jesus Christ himself. Okay, when Jesus baptizes you in the Spirit, you will have signs and wonders following. You'll know it when it happens, because you will speak with new tongues. Now, I know a lot of people said that's not so, but Jesus told them in Acts 2, receive the Holy Ghost, and immediately the wind came, the fire came upon them, 
you know, cloven tongues, and they began to speak with new tongues. So you are not baptized in the Spirit until you are speaking with new tongues. I'm sorry to tell everyone that, but that is a fact. This is how it happened here. This is how it would happen for anyone else. Verse 17. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, and he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I uh, that I could withstand God? So he said, hey, man, I've seen the signs. I've seen the miracles. I'm not standing against the Lord. I mean, then you have to imagine if it happened to them like it happened to us, that this is of the Lord. You've got to be crazy to go against him and say no. Verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then have God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which uh, when they uh, were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord... Uh, was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So you see, the work that Cornelius, the Lord told Cornelius to want to have his whole household saved, the Lord gave Peter the vision that now we can preach unto the Gentiles. That spread it all the way to Cyprus and Cyrene, and you had the disciples doing the same thing. Okay, Peter did it, everyone did it. It is now open season for the Gentiles to be saved. These people are going out preaching and doing the exact same work. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he, had, for when he came, uh, he had seen the grace of God, uh, was glad and exhorted them all that with um, purpose of heart uh, they should cleave unto the Lord. Okay, so what Barnabas saw, why it's time for Barnabas to be sent is because Barnabas saw the glory and the grace that the Lord had given to Paul. Okay, so that's where a lot of things were going to be stemmed from because remember, Paul and Barnabas were sent to preach directly unto the Gentiles. All right, so it says, uh, verse 24, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Paul. So Barnabas was sent, did a work himself, preached of all the good that God had done, and now he's um, being sent to go and get Paul or Saul. So we understand here, if the church could ever move like this, if the church could ever find itself doing the will of the Lord as individuals full of the Spirit, the lively stones that make up the church, man, how much work would actually get done? How much would get done if we weren't relying on other people and we were all complete in Christ? Man, we could be sent just about anywhere to do anything. The church would grow. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church 
and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now let's make one thing clear. This is the first time disciples are being called Christians. Christian means like Christ or followers of Christ. Now up until this point, we're in chapter 11. We have all read what God would do with his people, what God was doing through his people. We cannot call ourselves Christians if we are not followers of Christ Jesus. Jesus said the servant is not above his Lord. That's why I read Matthew 10 in the beginning. He said it is sufficient that you be as your Lord or as your master. But one thing we are not above, we are not is above. So for anyone that doesn't want to go out there and preach the gospel or do what the Lord has called them to do, man, you are not of Christ. If you're not being built up in Jesus, you are not of Christ. You are calling yourself above him. Lord, you did it all. Now, you've got people who were called to do certain things so they may go. But I may sit home and relax because I am greater than you. I don't have to preach your gospel if I'm afraid because I am greater than you. There is no need to do what you did, Lord, because I am greater than you. And that is what you are saying if you don't think that the Lord is calling us to do anything that we are reading of his church. We use the word Christian so loosely. Christianity. Christianity is a religion. Christians follow Christ. And that's something for me, and that's something for everyone else to learn and understand. Okay, we may not have it just yet to that degree, but you should fast and pray through for a breakthrough, being shut in alone with Christ till you are built up and you have the faith to go enough that you may go. Verse 27, And in these days came up prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth, a great famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So you see how in line the scriptures are with history? There was a real Claudius Caesar. They're letting people know, man, these were those days. You know that this was going on. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, according to his ability, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So the elders were coming unto Barnabas and Saul. We got to get these guys ready to go. Okay, this is what's going on here. But we understand that here you have the apostles working, doing their part, the elders which governs the church, you know, for the Lord. And you got prophets being sent from Jerusalem unto Antioch to give word, hey, it's time to send Saul and Barnabas. I mean, you know, what an awesome thing when God's kingdom is working, when he is working and doing, you know, works. This is why it's important that we all get full of the Spirit. So if no one has anything to add, we are going to go to Acts 12 and start at verse 1. Almost there, guys. Acts 12 and 1. Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to, to uh, vex certain of the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. 
Then were the days of unleavened bread. All right, so uh, Herod, who was the tetrarch or, you know, like the governor of uh, Rome or Jerusalem at this time, or King Herod, you can call him. He killed James, the brother of John. Okay, so uh, the persecution is still going on hot and heavy. Then he took Peter and threw him in the prison. Verse 4, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, I want to make another point clear here because some people think that Easter is the proper translation here. It is. You got in other Bible versions, people are saying the King James is not accurate because it has Easter here instead of Passover. What we recognize, and I can't remember the scripture. I'm sorry I don't have it directly in front of me. But um, it makes clear in Leviticus or even in Numbers when the laws were given to them that the days of unleavened bread came just before, the, uh, I mean, the Passover was the first day, then followed the days of unleavened bread. Remember, six days or seven days that they were supposed to do this. And then, um, then there was the end. So Herod intended to keep Peter uh, in prison until after Passover. Okay, so until after Easter. So Easter still is a, a satanic holiday, okay, that is, a, a, that is a, a day of the Gentiles. It is not a worship day for Christians, okay? It was Herod himself that believed in Easter because you have the Passover, which is the first day. Then you got the days of unleavened bread that pursue the Passover. And then you have Easter, which is the day that the Gentiles or those who don't believe in God celebrate. So Easter here is a proper translation. So he wanted to keep Peter in prison intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayed with but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So while Peter is in prison, they want to kill Peter after Easter. Peter is um you know they wanted to kill him after Easter. Uh, Peter is in prison and the people are praying. The church is praying without ceasing for Peter. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before of the door kept the prison. So Peter is pretty much in like maximum security. He's sleeping between two soldiers and he's bound with two chains and the doors are kept, you know, or, or guarded by a prisoner. I mean, by um, soldiers. Verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off uh, from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so did and so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wished not that it was true, um, which was done by the angel, but though he uh, saw a vision. So Peter felt like, man, he was in the spirit or something was going on. Even while Peter is being rescued by this angel, 
Peter's still not sure. Am I in a vision or is like this actually happening? All right. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into, unto the city, which opened to them of his own uh, accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. So Peter, the church prayed with him, but prayed for him without ceasing. And this is why we got to understand the power of prayer, that an angel of the Lord came, delivered people in Peter's chains. I mean, delivered Peter. Peter's chains fell off his hands. Okay, and Peter walked through the wall with this angel and was delivered. And when they got to the outside, you know, the, the door opened all by itself. So we got to, as the church, understand under heavy persecution, man, if we stand for him, there's no telling what the Lord can do. The same things that apply in this Bible here that happened 2,000 years ago can happen to you and I. He is the Lord thy God, as the Bible says, and he changes not. He is the one true God. So God can do anything today that he did yesterday. So the natural man can't receive this, but a man of the spirit knows that God is real and he has no limitations. Verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered uh, the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, um, where many uh, were gathered together praying. So, you know, um, Peter went to uh, Mary, the mother of John Mark, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Okay, and that's why people believe that Mark's account is Peter's account. And there's a few things in the Gospel of Mark, if you look, you know, John tries to um, leave himself somewhat out of it. Well, he put more he puts more emphasis on the gospel and not so much on Peter. So when he says we, in many cases, people think that, yeah, that was Peter's account. For example, when they use the whole thing about the man cutting off his ear, you know, or, or uh, the soldier cutting off the, or one of the disciples cut off the man's ear. In all the three other gospels, it mentions Peter was the one that cut the um the guy's ear off, but you know in Mark's account it says one of the disciples cut off the ear. So I don't know if he was given like honor to Peter or he felt like it wasn't really that important or what. But it is it is widely believed that Mark's account uh, of the gospel is Peter's account. All right, so uh, they were gathered together praying at Mark's house, verse thirteen. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. So they didn't believe it was Peter. They believed it was an angel that was there to speak for Peter. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, uh, beckoning unto them with the hand uh, to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. 
And he said, Go shew these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Once again, this is a very this is another awesome thing. Peter bound in prison. People prayed for Peter. Peter was sent to prison for this reason and this reason alone, that the church would grow in faith and that the Lord would be glorified for what happened to Peter. Peter went and told his peers, guys, this is what just happened to me. Because before when Peter was knocking on the door, they said, oh man, you're mad. Like I know that the Lord can heal now, but I don't necessarily believe that Peter, who was scheduled to be killed, is going to be delivered out of prison. Not when the Romans get you. When they got you, man, you are through. So this is what they believed. But you see, their faith increased because they were astonished. It is Peter. And Peter went and told them, man, tell the brethren what happened to me and that I'm out still walking around. And he departed. He hit the door. It's time to go back to soul winning. It's time to go back to the work of the Lord. He didn't say, man, I was in trouble now, man. Sit down and hook me up with a plate, man. I want to get some food here. You think you can hide me out a few days? No. There is work to be done. Verse 18. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what had become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea uh, to Caesarea and their abode. So Peter's already long gone. Herod said, okay, I want to know what happened to Peter. And they said, well, we don't know. You know, he got away. So they said, all right, I'm commanding you to be killed. That's what um, he did. But Peter's gone. Verse 20, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him. And having made Blastus, the king Chamberlain, uh, their friend, uh, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. So let's understand this. These people wanted to make peace. This guy Blastus was made king. You know, I guess Herod took care of it or whatever, or they made him king. And um, because they recognized that they were being blessed because of this king. So they wanted to give honor to Herod that this guy has become king and that they are growing or being nourished by this king. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, set upon his throne and made an oration unto them. So Herod's coming up with a speech. Okay, you guys will recognize you're nourished by the king's country. You're nourished by my country. So he's coming forward to everybody to make a speech. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of God and not of man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Okay, so you don't want to fool around with God. Even with Herod, the Lord is who nourished these people. But these people were giving credit to Herod like, you know, because of you, everything has been nourished and things are going well. And instead of Herod saying, you know what? It is the voice of God. It is not me. God is taking care of this. He received the praise and worship like, thank you, thank you. I want everybody to know. And the Lord struck him dead and worms ate his body. You don't want to mess around with the Lord. So you see, vengeance was taken care of here without Peter or anybody doing anything. Peter is off in Caesarea somewhere else doing the will of the Lord. But Herod, who wanted to have him killed, 
and killed James. You know, the brother of John, Herod met his end right here. So, you know, we don't have to go against people that want to persecute us. The Lord takes care of things all by himself. All right, verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So right away, all I care about right here is verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. So people are learning, not only is God an awesome God that does miracles, he is to be feared. And not even kings are aside from this authority. So everything that's done has something to do with Jesus Christ. That's right. All right, so this is a long one, so we got to bear with it. This is um, Acts 13. No one has anything to add. We'll go there. And um, we'll continue. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so Acts 13 and verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, who was called um, Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menan, uh, which had been brought up uh, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work where, uh, whereunto I have called them. So you see, while they were there praying, the Holy Ghost is continuing giving instructions. I need Barnabas and Saul to do a work for the Lord. Verse 3, And when they have fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, uh, they preached the word of God in the synagogues, of the Jews, and they had uh, also John to their minister. And when they were gone, when they had gone through uh, the Isle of Paphos, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, who a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus. So this guy, a false prophet, was walking around saying that he was the son of Jesus, and he's out here doing all kinds of work. Doing, and this guy's a sorcerer. So you see, while you're out there preaching the gospel, you're going to run into people like this. But every time God sent forth his people to deal with someone, they were dealt with. So if you got a lot of false prophets and all this stuff walking around today, you got nobody confronting these people and all this stuff being done, then this, this can't be the church of God. If you got a church on every single corner and no one is doing the will of God and times are getting worse, what is that telling you about the church? The church is not here yet. And this is why the Bible talks about the former and the latter rain. Because God is using certain vessels from different places. He's getting his church organized and together of one spirit. And they will believe the same. They will not be given into false doctrine. They will stand for the Lord and they will, they will be without spot or wrinkle. So this is what has to be made clear. If everywhere these guys are going, they are meeting persecution, running into people that are false and setting things straight, and God is being glorified, then how can you have 300,000 churches in this country alone? 
in every on every corner in almost every city and nothing is being done about hypocrisy about heresy about sin about homosexuality about anything that's because most of these churches have given in to the beast so god's church is not here on display but when that latter rain falls you're going to see everything that the lord had intended the church is not here yet you know the church is being built up in christ so everything that's before then is a precursor. What we do, what Pastor Price does, what Derek Prince did, what Burke Clinton and Sean Buck, all these guys that were out there for real, they're just a precursor to what the Lord is getting ready to put on the scenes as the true church. Where you go back to like Acts 5 where, hey, did you sell that field for such and such amount? Hey, you better be up front and you better repent. Because God is not going to allow any wrinkles. It's going to be just like this. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead on the spot just for lying. Just for lying. Just for holding back what was theirs when the Lord was bringing everyone on one accord. So I can't wait for the church to be established. But we better be built up and be like him. But as far as the church today, this is not God's church. It may have some residue of what could be. But this is not the church of God. And that's what people need to understand. Verse 7, which was uh, with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear a word of God. But Elimaeus, this is this Bar Jesus. Bar Jesus is Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith and this is why we got to understand we do not wrestle with flesh and blood we should be and i know i haven't said this in past teachings but i'm seeing it now fully we have to be we have to pray for our government we've got to pray for our country not that the country remains the same not that we stay america not that democracy is up and flowing and that there's jobs here We've got to pray for the country because anyone that does not get ruled by the Lord will be ruled by tyrants, okay? And that's why it is important because if you got this Elimaeus talking to this deputy, manipulating him, keeping him from the gospel, what do you think the witches and warlocks are doing today unto this government, okay? There are people, if Saul can receive Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, then Barack Obama can receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now, I mean, the Lord can do anything, and I'm not a fan of a, I'm not here to talk about politics, okay? But the fact of the matter is, anybody can be delivered and turned unto the Lord. But we need to start praying for these people, because their salvation is worth it, too. Mm -hmm. Don't assume because they're doing evil works that they're just strictly of the devil. They are. But there's nothing that prayer and fasting can't conquer in Jesus to bring people unto the truth. He said we war against principalities, magistrates, governments powers, authorities, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. If we don't go to war with these entities through prayer and fasting and preaching the gospel, then what hope have we? And I'm not talking about being sustained here. I'm still trying to stay focused on eternal life, and that is where the church should be. But come on, we're in a worse state now than we've ever been. So we need to really start preaching wherever there are principalities and powers, Man, the Lord can get you into a place like the White House to go and preach if you are willing to do so and if it is his will. 
He can bring you anywhere before Congress, whomever. And if God be with you, who be against you? But the church has got to know this and understand this. All right, so he's trying to keep this deputy from getting into the faith. Look at verse 9. Then Saul, who is uh, also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. So Paul is locked in on this guy and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Don't tell me the Lord can't change somebody. Paul was a child of the devil at one point, hauling people off to prison. But the Lord changed his life, and now he can rightly divide and see properly. The scales fell off his eyes, and he's spotting a false prophet. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. You tell him, Paul. So he said, do you not pervert? Do you not cease to pervert the, of the right ways of God? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a, and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. So now bar Jesus, the false son of Jesus, is now need a, a seeing eye dog to walk around. You don't want to fool around with God. He came there as if he was also a great one. You see what he got? But this is a man full of the Spirit, proclaimed a judgment led by the Spirit on a false prophet. But see, today everyone's in love. It's all about love. You can't be a man of God. You don't know what the Lord will do, governed by the Spirit, or what he may command you to do. Because he's teaching this guy a good lesson about trying to use the name of God deceitfully. And we don't, we don't, we're not in it enough. Verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his company loosed uh, from Paphos, uh, then came to Persia and Pamphylia uh, and John, departing from, uh, from them, a uh, return to Jerusalem. But when they departed from uh, Perga, uh, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So this was the reason Paul and them were there. Okay, We did a teaching on Sound of Trumpet Ministries about the Lord of the Sabbath or to Sabbath or not to Sabbath. People got to understand because a lot of false religion is using this saying that, you see, they were keeping the Sabbath because they walked in on the Sabbath day. Well, if you're coming to proclaim the gospel to a false religion or, or, or something that's not of God, where else would you be? That's like you and I walking in on a Sunday preaching to all these false people out here. That's what it's about. Right. It's got nothing to do with worshiping the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. We're going to find this out. Let's continue. Verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, men, and, men of Israel and men that fear God, give audience. And God uh, of this people uh, of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And when in high arm brought he them out of it, 
And about the time of forty years suffered he uh, their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of four hundred and fifty years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave them gave unto them Saul the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So Paul is taking them back from the time of Egypt, from the, um, the slavery to the exodus, to when they took the land of Canaan, to where, you know, for 450 years, Samuel the prophet came to give wisdom unto them. Then a soul was given for king. And all of this was up to the get to the point of David, a righteous king that God said, I can have my will done through. Because David was after the heart of the Lord. The church of God needs to be after the heart of the Lord and not after religious works and doing their own will. Verse 23, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. And John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but also there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Okay, so now from David unto John the Baptist, who was full of the Holy Ghost from his youth, is even saying, yeah, I'm, I'm the forerunner. I'm preaching everyone to repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is where we are right now. Mm -hmm. 26, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So he's only talking to those who are after Israel, after after the Lord, and those that fear the Lord. What we're preaching today and what we preach in times past and talking to people, we are talking to them who fear the Lord, that salvation may be sent unto them. 27. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though, they and though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that uh, he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. So it went from, you know, again, David to John the Baptist unto Jesus Christ. Paul is reminding them, guys, I'm only here for one reason. I'm not here to celebrate with you and your Sabbath. I'm here to preach Jesus Christ. When we go out and proclaim the gospel unto others, it is to preach Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection, and his salvation. His finished work on the cross that people may receive Christ. Verse 31. And he was seen many days of him that came up um, 
with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now you know that that is Psalm 2. Okay, Psalm 2 that we're talking about here. So you guys can read that in your spare time. Verse 34. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on, on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Uh, wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That there, guys, is Psalm 7. Okay? So the first one is Psalm 2 in verse 7. Uh, the second one, of uh, forgive me, is Psalm 16. Okay? Psalm 16 in verse 10. All right? So you guys can read that in your spare time. Uh, where am I? 36. Verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. So right away, David wasn't the Holy One. David spoke of that the Holy One would see no corruption. But David's body did corrupt, okay? David fell asleep, meaning that David was, you know, of God. And all those that are of the one true God, we sleep, we don't die. We will be resurrected. But he's also talking about here that Jesus Christ, separate from David, even as great as David was, he was nothing compared to Jesus who died and resurrected, never seeing corruption. Verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So right away he's telling them about the law of Moses. He came into this synagogue on the Sabbath day to tell them about the law of Moses cannot save you. That's why he took it back to Egypt on, on to um, Jesus Christ in that generation to show that Jesus is the only reason and the only one that we need to believe in concerning eternal life and walking in the ways of God. So Moses' law cannot justify you. Now, what was given in the law of Moses? The seven sacred annual feast, the Sabbath day, uh, all these other things because of whatever you see in the Old Testament, those things were not to be kept. Why? Because today we rely on the law of the Spirit. Okay, the, the Old Testament Levitical law would punish sinners for what they had done. It had laws and it had rules. And it was a complete system. And it was an holy system. But man could not keep it because of his corruption. Jesus Christ came in grace. His finished work on the cross and by his shed blood, our sins were forgiven. That we are able to um, have his finished work on the cross done unto us. That our flesh may not be corrupted that we may be sanctified and that we may by nature obey God and not by rules and regulations. That's why, that's why it's a big difference here. Verse 40, 
Beware therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken in, um, of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. You know, so I can't remember exactly where this Old Testament saying was, but he said that the prophet said this in verse 41. Verse 42, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So these people were willing to hear the truth, and they only wanted to show up on Sabbath, because this is where they congregated, and that they wanted to hear more of this doctrine of Jesus Christ, which meant they weren't preaching that before. So that's the only reason he was there on the Sabbath day. I'm not here to attack when the Sabbath day was. The Sabbath day was Saturday. Okay, the seventh day. I won't argue with that. Are we supposed to keep the Sabbath is the question. Because if you worship Jesus Christ, you're keeping the Sabbath every day. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 12, I am Lord of the Sabbath. So if you've got Jesus, you're keeping it. And that's why the seven sacred annual feasts, they all had something to do with Jesus. Okay, and then if, if anyone wants more understanding on that, go to SoundTrumpetMinistries.com and look up a teaching called the Seven Sacred Annual Feast. But we pointed out how every single one of them links back to something concerning Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you have kept the law, but not the law of Moses. You are keeping the righteousness of God because that is what is necessary. All right, so from here, I'll go to verse 43, and it says, now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes, meaning those that were not Jews, uh, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So we are saved through faith, and um, saved by grace through faith and not of works. That's why the law of Moses could not justify you, because it took to have the law of grace of Jesus Christ, that though we go through this experience, he is slowly changing us into the image of God. And how is that happening? Jesus Christ is being fully formed in us. Did you find it or no? Yeah, yeah it's in Isaiah 29 and 14. Okay, so verse uh, 41 has to do with Isaiah 29 and verse 14. So Isaiah the prophet actually said that. He said, Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. So they wouldn't believe it, but Isaiah was telling them they wouldn't believe. Why? Because they are despisers. They hate the work of God. They're religious people. And the church of God has to recognize that that is not us. All right, so um, verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost a whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So this is what we got to understand, too. If we go out and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to these false prophets and these false churches, you best believe that they are going to speak against you. They are going to encourage everyone not to follow you, and they'll probably beat you up and throw you out of their churches. But this is what the religious spirit would do, void of the truth of Jesus Christ. 
So the religious leaders are now speaking against Paul, contradicting and calling him a blasphemer. They called Stephen a blasphemer. They called Jesus Christ a blasphemer. Jesus said in Matthew 10, and that's why I went there, if they call the Lord of the house Beelzebub, then what will they call him? You know, of those who are of his household. So Jesus had warned them, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. But they're persecuting you because of the Jesus Christ that is in you. Verse, 20, verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So Paul's like, I'm not going to waste my time with you. You guys don't want it. Stay in your religion then. I'm going to preach to those who were considered the heathen, those who were not Jews, that they might believe. Okay, verse 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, uh, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. They said, hey man, we've been counted out all our lives. You guys don't want it. The Gentiles were like, hey, we want it. We are grateful that the Lord has put his grace upon us. Verse 49. And you know what? I just want to make this quick point. I'm recognizing that you find in many cases that a lot of people in the streets have more understanding and more common sense than the religious people that are out there. You can talk to them about this and they will understand why they come from hell. Mm -hmm. The religious self-righteous people will tell you you're wrong. Why? Because they have to be right. Yeah. They've been indoctrinated with false religion. And I find that those people are harder to talk to than the people of the world. So the Gentiles are like, man, we're grateful that you presented this to us because we had never heard of Jesus. Now that we heard, I mean, now we've got a right to do. But you see, those who have heard of Jesus their, all, their whole lives, the other Jesus, the other gospel, the other spirit, those people will not break because they assume that they are right. And that's why it's so hard to get through to a religious person. Your chances are better with a worldly person. Yeah. All right. Verse 49. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. These guys were writing it down and telling everybody mm -hmm. about it. Hey, this is the doctrine of Jesus Christ throughout all the region. Verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. So, you know, these Jews, these religious people are troublemakers. They went and stirred up the women. People are minding their own business. If you want to believe what you want to believe, then leave them alone. But why are you following them around the same way they followed Jesus? Every time Jesus went out and preached, here come the Pharisees, here come the Sadducees. Oh, how do you know? Who are you? By what authority do you do this? Self-righteous people. Mm -hmm. So they persecuted Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But look at them. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. Like teacher, like student. 
They never forgot what the Lord told them to do. And the disciples, huh? I said exactly. Verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So you think they were feeling bad about people not even receiving their doctrine? Hey, man, kick the dust off your feet. The Lord already said what would be. I'm not letting them kill my joy. I presented it to them. They didn't want it. I'm going forward. I'm obeying the Lord. Like Philip. Philip left. The, um, the, the eunuch had joy. And Philip went on about his business, man. We waste too much time trying to convince people instead of preaching. When God's joy is in you, oh, you don't want it? Like the postman. He's not worried about whether or not there's something wrong with your package. Because if there's, a, if there's something wrong with your package, complain to customer service and he'll be back to pick it up. But he's not even around for your complaints. You might complain and you guys were late. He, I understand. You know, here, I just need a signature here. And he walks right out. He's not concerned about your eviction notice or whatever you got going on. Hey, man, that's your problem. I take it from A to B. So that's how we have to be. We take the truth from A to B. If you don't believe it, hey, I'm just a messenger. You want to fight somebody, go fight Jesus Christ, okay? And see if your arms are long enough to try and box with him. I'm done. I'm going on to someone else who might believe. Fourteenth and final verse for this study. After uh, Acts 14, we're going to take a break. Um, and we're going to go forward uh, next week and from verses 15 to 21. So we're going to, um, this is the last chapter. And then from there we'll uh, conclude. Woo. Acts 14 and verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they were both uh, together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews, I thought we left these guys back in, where were they before that point? Uh, I don't know, but I know they went to another city. All right, they, they were expelled out of their coast, but no matter where these guys went, here comes these unbelieving Jews. No matter where you go as a church, you will deal with the persecution. All right, so they spake uh, that the great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. And this is what you're going to deal with and you're going to hear. You found it? Antioch. Yeah, they were in Antioch. So when you go and preach the word, it's just so funny how... Now they've got to go and speak to other people. Oh, man, don't listen to him. Oh, man, it's all about love today. That's just a bunch of lies. They're telling you lies, brother. It don't take all of that. You know, we are saved by grace through faith. We are. But what does that have to do with hearing the right doctrine in Jesus Christ? So you see, these religious people, it's not bad enough that they don't believe. They want to go and try and influence other people to turn you against the truth. This happens everywhere. Verse 3. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Awesome work of God. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I came with a demonstration of the spirit and of power. So while these religious people are out there talking about 
what the Lord is not doing. And then, oh man, don't believe them. These guys got signs and wonders following saying, hey, I'm with the true God. So you see, you can't argue with the power gifts. You can't argue with the signs and things following. Because if you were the right people of God, then why can't you do it? So that shows you right then and there, God is signing off, protecting them with miracles and signs. All right, verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews uh, with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. So you see, I want to make this clear too. They had a problem with Paul and Barnabas. So look what they did. And when they were there, their assault made with the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully. So they used the government and the, like the worldly people and they used religion to come against Paul and Barnabas that they might be stoned. Mm -hmm. You know, the two pillars that Samson pushed down, the harlot riding the beast. Not only was it Herod, but it was also Pontius Pilate who were made friends the very day that Jesus was persecuted. They hated one another, but they came together on one accord to get Jesus. They're coming together here on one accord to go after Paul and Barnabas. Mm -hmm. It's the same old trick today. You want laws to be changed? The religious system goes over to them and tells them what to do. Or the government goes to the religious system. Hey, we need to put these laws in play so that homosexuals can get married. Okay, so that other people can have things. And we've got to trap the church so that way they won't, you know, spread out. You know, persecution, man. Verse 6. Then, uh, then were the... <laughs> They were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. So see, the Lord made them aware, okay, they want to stone you guys, flee to another city. Jesus told them to do this. This isn't cowardice. The word of the gospel has to continue to be preached. Verse 7, and there they preached the gospel. They didn't run for their lives. They preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man in Lystra, impotent in his feet, yeah, in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, and steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that uh, he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. How many times have we heard of cripples leaping and walking? How many cripples are going into churches and not having the power of God fall upon them? Because this is not God's church. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. To be a part of the church of God, you have to be called, chosen of God, and you've got to see God in the inner man that organically Christ gets formed and grown in you. Mm -hmm. All right, so this guy leaped and walked. Verse 11. And when the people saw that Paul had done what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycania, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Paul, they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. So you see, these people they recognize, and this is why I'm trying to tell people today, don't get so, you know, 
into what the world is doing. Every planet or every so-called planet we got out there was named after a Greek god. This is not the kingdom of God. Okay, this is the kingdom of Satan. All right, they call Paul Mercury. Mercury is Hermes, okay, which comes from the staff of Hermes. Well, they get the staff of Hermes, which is those two serpents around the pole, which is an ancient symbol to protect thieves, liars, and gamblers. All right, Hermes is another name for Nimrod, and some even believe it was another name for Thoth, who was Azazel, who was a fallen angel. Okay, so this is who people are believing. The gods have come down to us. And people don't believe in Genesis 6 that the angels had left their first estate, disobeyed God, came down and made it with earth women and produced giants. Read Genesis 6 in your spare time. How can they not believe that when 4,000 years later, you got these people praising Paul and Barnabas for people being healed. They gave the glory unto their gods. Jupiter is none other than Nimrod. It's another name for Zeus. And it's called um, another name for Satan, really, you know, when you go into that. But this is who these people were praising because they knew not the true God. So they saw a miracle of God and they gave it right unto their Gentile kings. So they came down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, which is Mercury, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter. So Jupiter has priests. They're a priest of Jupiter. People that worship in these false religions with their priests, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. So you see, the devil can mimic God's church. How they had offerings and sacrifices back in the day. Man, you got priests of Jupiter doing that. And this is why I'm trying to tell people in Islam, don't be so excited about the things that they do that are considered righteous and clean. They adopted most of those principles from the Hebrews. Okay, and that's clear. That's clear with history. Study Muhammad. But people have done these things and really believe this is of God. The devil had loved to mimic God. So they're going to try and, you know, do all of this. And they're about to make sacrifices unto false gods. Verse 14. And when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. So Paul is saying, man, you need to turn to the living God. Get away from these vanities. And that's why I love Psalm 96 and 4. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And they said the other gods are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And no one can say anything about that. Separating him from all this. Verse 16. Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So Paul is making it clear. The Lord allowed you to walk away in your ignorance at the Tower of Babel or whatever at one point. Okay, but he's calling all men to come to know him unto repentance because 
even though God knew that you were in your, your false religion and you would not serve him, he still made the rain fall for you. He still filled your house with food and gladness, even though you weren't even deserving of these things. So that is the mercy of God that he was still taking care of the Gentiles in their lives, not even knowing God or refusing to know him is more like it. Verse 18, and with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people, and they had not done sacrifice unto them. So the people were, you know, kind of like, whoa, they stopped doing sacrifice. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch, here they go, and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. These people left the towns that they were into to follow them. So remember, they first left Antioch into Iconium, met them there. Then they left two other places, followed them unto Lystra. And, and now they're ready. They just stoned Paul and left him for dead and threw him out of the city. So they stoned Paul, threw him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derby. So they thought they killed Paul. They sat there and stoned him. The Lord said, uh-uh, you ain't dying on me yet. So Paul rose up, went back into the city. I mean, what guts? He came back into the city to stone him and said, come on, Barnabas, let's go. We're going over to Derby. We got more gospel to preach. If this isn't the true church of God, then nothing is. God's people don't fear. Like the Bible says, perfect love casteth out fear. Verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, the places that they were persecuted and got stoned. They had the audacity to come back there just to prove to people, you can't stop me from ministering. Man, if the church had ever get, if they ever get built up and they ever get strong in Christ, we would be a force to be reckoned with. If we can get out of our selfishness and out of our own will and become vessels fit for the master to use, man, the Lord will do marvelous works through his church. And they had the nerve to come back after being stoned. Most people, if you know people don't like you, you stay away from certain places. This guy was stoned. And they came on back. Mm -hmm. Verse 22. Confirming. Why did they come back? Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. So, I want to make a quick point here, because everybody's talking about the great tribulation, and everybody's waiting for that, waiting to get raptured, which you know that we don't believe in. There is no pre-trib rapture we must go through. So that's Acts 8, I mean Acts 14, uh, verse 22. Now, this is the meaning of tribulation. The word tribulation is flipsis or flipsis. It's called flipsis. It's T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. -S. And it says, oppressing, pressing together, 
pressure. Metaphorically, oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress, straits. Strong's definition, this is the word G2347, and it means pressure, literally or figuratively, affliction or afflicted, anguish, burdened, persecution, tribulation, trouble. Okay, so that tells us right there that, all right, so let's go back. We all know what it means now. Look at verse 22. They came back to Antioch in places they were persecuted and stoned and came back, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So there was no getting around it. And that's why I believe for everyone that really does love the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, with all their strength or might, and they love their neighbor as, their, as, them, as themselves, they will find themselves through much tribulation entering into the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus said in Luke 4, I have come to set the captives free. I've come to heal them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So right away, you are going to face persecution. You're going to have trouble. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and anyone that's in the church is going to put you on a collision course with Satan himself. Okay, if it brought Jesus unto persecution, it will bring you unto persecution. So this is why, you know, Paul and these guys did this because they wanted people to find Jesus. They wanted people to know him. They wanted people that, man, no matter what your faith is going through, man, hang tight. You see what happened to us? We got up and we preached and we came back. There's no stopping the kingdom of God. So this is what he wanted them to know. But this is why the church is so sissified and cowardice today is because the leaders of the church are cowards. They're not putting their lives on the line. They're not going out there telling you what you need. So therefore, we get labeled as extremists while these people are considered men of God. Why? Because people love self at the expense of God. And this time we get built up in Christ and we do what is necessary. Because you don't have to, you know, all right, you don't want to do this, fine. But watch what's going to happen. The devil's going to come looking for you. You can't hide behind the name or the banner of Jesus and sit on a fence calling yourself a Christian. You will be sought out. So we're better off getting built up in Christ and doing what he tells us to do. The devil will come looking for you. Look what happened in North Carolina. Look what's happening everywhere now. You ain't going to be able to sit on the fence. You're going to either stand for Jesus or you won't. And it's time to do it, man. It's time to believe God and get full of God and be led by God to do what is necessary. Right. Believe the Father, get full of the Son, and get led by the Holy Ghost. Being, you know, led by God. Verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So they're getting commendation here. You know, like, hey, Lord, these are men of God. They are doing what you said. And what did that do? Increase the faith of everybody through persecution. This wasn't the beginning of their persecution. This, was, this wasn't even the end of their persecution. It began all the way back in Acts 9 
Okay, but it continued unto Acts 14. And you're going to find they're going to go through more than that. So there is no excuse for any man. All right, commended of them on the Lord on whom they believe, verse 24. And after they had passed through out of Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. So you see, they never stopped from one city unto another, but they made their mark for Christ. Verse 25. And when they had preached the word in Persia, they went down into Italia and uh, thence sailed to Antioch. They're back to Antioch. Mm -hmm from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So they were what? They were recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So the Lord does have his time where he'll pull you off the battlefield just for a second. All right, you guys out there doing this, report back to base. Antioch is pretty much base. You know, Jerusalem is base. Antioch is base. But, you know, it's like after that, he recommended them, guys, come on home for a little bit. You know, let's get built up. Let's do more. But you notice they didn't stay there. He sent them back out. But that's God's grace. He'll pull you off the battlefield for a bit. Come on, come and get built up. But it ain't going to be to just, I retire. Ain't no such thing as a retiree from this. You retire when they take your old bones and throw them in the ground. Where, they, where a Christian is considered sleep, doing the will of the Lord. That's it. Waiting for the resurrection. Verse 27. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. What a beautiful thing. The fact that he had worked with them and, um, you know, they were all getting together, rehearsing, talking about what God had done for them. That gives you more faith. And see, this is why I love guys like Gary Price, Henry Groover, Derek Prince, Burt Clendenin, R.W. Schombach, R.D. Hinton, all these guys that really did work. Henry Groover is one of those men amongst us. But what I don't like to see is people like Henry Groover come to town, a man of God. And I will call him that because he is worthy of his reward. He comes to town. You got millions of people that want to sit around him. Don't want to do anything. Just listen to him talk. They hear the testimonies of the things that God did through him. And it hasn't even inspired them to seek the Lord their God themselves and do what the, do what the Lord did for Henry. I love Henry Grover. Okay, so I'm not speaking against him. But man, what is it that you come to see when you meet men of God? Because we are supposed to be the church of God. Henry Groover is a man of God. He is one of those lively stones that the Lord is using. How can you hear these testimonies year after year, month after month, and you sit there like you're watching a film, and you get his autograph or whatever it is that you do, and then you walk back out into the world being you, and you can't wait to hear from him again? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being corrected because that's what these guys did. But they were also speaking to people that got built up that wanted to do the work themselves. This is a lazy group of people around us. All they want to be is entertained, but nobody wants to get in a fight. No one wants to throw their lives on the line for Christ. And you know why people get caught up in that? Because Jesus Christ is not their head. It's not him they want to hear from. They want to be entertained. And this time, man, we stand up, 
wake up and do what the Lord had called us to do. Right. 28 and final verse. And there they abode long time with the disciples. So, you know, if Henry walked into a group like this, Pastor Price, R.W. Schombach, you know, Burke Clendenin, David Wilkerson, all those guys, man, that were really out there doing it, Derek Prince, they would have been amongst their peers. They would have all had something to talk about. You cast out devils, I cast out devils too. Not comparing, but they would say, you know, I cast the devil out of a man that had this. Another one would tell you, yeah, there was a blind man, and praise the Lord, he got saved. Let me show you what the Lord had done for me. I went to Afghanistan, and my life was on the line, and an angel of the Lord showed up and ran my enemies away. That's the church. Those are the people that deserve to be together. Those are the people that are worthy of the kingdom of God. Those whose testimonies glorify God. You ain't done nothing for the Lord, but you want eternal life. Why? Because you're afraid of persecution. Ain't no way in the world God is working with people like that. He's building those willing vessels that want him and want to do his will. And I'm not even worthy to be, you know, presented amongst these men. But these men put God first. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning and I'm growing. And the Lord had done things through us, but only to glorify him. And that's what this whole thing is about. The false church needs to step aside so that the true church may live. And that's what's holding back the showers. This is why there's no latter rain. Because you're afraid of persecution. So why should you be baptized in the Spirit? So you can go on vacation? Man, this is garbage. This is a mess. And this is a shame before God to even call yourself Christians. You're blasphemers. The true God is the one that, that has people like this working for him. This is the true church. Those who want the Lord, those who want others saved, those who are not home eating Cheetos, but they're out doing what they, they're out doing what they need to do for the Lord. Right. You know, and I'm not looking down on anybody. I've got my faults too. So I just pray the Lord that people get saved, that people understand, man, we got to get ready for this time. It's going to get hard. You know, but this concludes our part two of the book of Acts, the persecution. Uh, part three next week will be the overcoming. Overcoming. This is what people need to learn how to do. You got to learn to go through so that you may overcome. Because overcoming or overcomings are the only people that are promised the glory of God and the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Okay, so from here, uh, we'll conclude in a word of prayer. Um, you feel all right? Mm -hmm. I'll pray. All right, so we'll pray out. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another day. And we thank you for your grace and mercy upon us. And we thank you, Lord, for being able to call us Father and that we may call you Lord. What an honor it is to be a friend, to be a son, and to be a child of God, that we may go forward and do what you call us. Lord, please let no guile come out of my mouth tonight. Let no self, Lord, speak in me. For, Lord, I don't want to be glorified, but I know that my flesh is weak. 
I pray that all the glory goes to you, Lord. We thank you that we were able to complete this in you. And we pray, Lord, that it was pleasing to you. It doesn't matter who else it's pleasing to. Did it glorify you, Lord, is all we're concerned about. And we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the brethren. We thank you for all the people that are out there in the real fight. And I ask you, Lord, that you pour into their cups, that they may see you, that your spirit, Lord, may be sought after, and that for those who receive it, they understand what they are really in, being built up in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that you continue to take us through and that you work with us. I'm asking, Lord, that we receive full manifestation one day. I'm asking, Lord, that we get put in situations such as these that we have read tonight. Because the God of heaven needs to be glorified and people need to know that you are alive. That you are the same God today that you always was. And Lord, I'm just praying, Lord, that you just continue to be with us. We need you, Jesus. We're in a rough time. Many of us are going through the hour of temptation. Many of us are choked up by the cares of this life. There are many things, Lord, that are happening to your church. Those with potential. Those that have the buried treasure down inside of them that they have not yet cracked open. And I pray, Lord, that you put them on that path. I pray, Lord, that your word goes out and that people will receive it and they will understand. I pray, Lord, that this ministry does what it's called to do and not to glory in self. Lord, please pour unto us. Please, Lord, if I had said anything, forgive me, Lord, for I may not get it right now, but, Lord, reveal it and search the reins of us, Lord, and see where we are wrong. Only that we may be true one day. Lord, but as for your church, may we be accounted worthy, Lord, to be members. May we be lively stones that are full of Jesus Christ, that are walking in true faith and holiness. Lord, blink out the spirit of hypocrisy. Blink out the spirit of fear amongst your people. Let them see, Lord, that this isn't a personal thing. This is all about going forward and pleasing God. Lovers of God more than lovers of pleasures, Lord. For eternal life is our salvation. Let us not waste time. Let us use the grace and what it's for, Lord. To be built up and to do your will. While we every day get perfected in you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for being good. I thank you for being God. I thank you for not taking us in our sins. And Lord, I pray a special prayer for people tonight. There are friends of mine I spoke to this week, Lord. You know who they are. I pray for people's lives that they might get saved, Lord. I know that many of them are in false religion. They're in strong delusions. They're dealing with things, Lord, that the enemy wants to hold them with. And I pray, Lord, that you break those shackles, that you break those bands that you set these captives free, Lord. This is why you came. And if it be your will, Lord, give us the words to speak, for your word does not return void. These things need to be done in you, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that we are given more chance to glorify you. Mm -hmm. Take us away from this present evil world. Take away the desire to serve in it. For, Lord, you said friendship with the world is the enemy of God. And Lord, I ask that your words today, that they be preached in love. We only want people set free. We only want people to wake up, Lord, to the times that we're in. 
that they not take their salvation for granted, Lord, but continue to do what you have called them to do. Every day is precious. God has his soldiers, Lord. You've got your army out on the move. But you can't afford to waste one of us, Lord, to this present evil world. You can't afford to waste one of us unto foolishness, unto things that have nothing pertaining to the kingdom. Lord, as you call your remnant, let us be accounted worthy. Let us put away sin. Let us get serious with this. Let us all be called unto repentance and to seek you in the end of man with prayer and fasting that we not take you for granted. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true and worthy of all praises. Lord, I pray that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. Place a special anointing on this ministry, Lord, and the brethren out there that believe you but are lost. Do it for your glory. Do it for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.